September 27, 1994. An open cargo hold causes a cruise ferry to fill with water, capsize, and sink, becoming one of the deadliest wrecks in maritime history. I feel like we've opened a lot of uh, episodes with one of the Being deadliest the de- wrecks in maritime history. I mean, you consider how many wrecks have we done. Yeah. Well, but you consider how many episodes we've done versus how many ships have gone down. Um, that's what I'm saying. We're like, dropping it's, the bucket. It's a small sample size. We're like, spitting we're, in the we're ocean. We're talking about the... We are. Yeah. Never in the Great Lakes, though. No. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Yeah. I... Hmm. You know... You haven't done one of these intros, have you? No, and I see you have written here, Patrivic does inner toe. What is that? Uh, I mean... So I say like... Probably gold. I say something like loss, grief, uh, animal crackers. Well, you have to These dress are it up the things okay. that bind us uh-huh. as people. Say verily. Verily. Thus and such. Verily, so it is that... We and in, are and in two perpetuity. Nothing but apes. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Floating uh, down the sea of life in a raft filled with holes. <laughs> oh my god! I'm actually. Did you write that? Dan? I might be better at this than you. That was beautiful. I should have been yeah, doing think, this a long time ago. Yeah, I think you should have. Uh, well, that was good because <laughs> now we're going to talk about mass death recently too. Not not that long ago. Ooh. This is a bad one. Ew. Yeah. Wow, Another fairy. In, that intro is in really poor taste, Patrick. Well, sorry. First of all, please refer to me as Patrivic, like you do in this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry that your I... intro yeah. was in really poor taste. So, should we get started? I would love that. Thank you. <laughs> that would be so great. The MS Estonia was built in 1980 for a Finnish company called Rederi Ab Sally. We're going to have a lot of pronunciations in this one. They're all like Scandinavian. So it's just confusing. I mean, you should anything. just like I should can't know. You just it. like close your eyes and get in touch with your ancestors. I tr- it didn't work. You tried. Yeah, it didn't okay. work. <laughs> the original- oh, continue on, Petrovic. Thank you. Their original plan was to make a sister ship for one of the most popular ships on the Viking line, Diana II. However, after the construction contract went to a different company, they decided to make some changes. <laughs> Here we go. Woo. First and foremost they decided to add additional length. (laughs) The original plans for the Diana 2 called for a length of approximately 450 feet. Or 30 Priuses, Toyota Priuses. But the new plans lengthened MS Estonia to almost 510 feet. That is more Priuses. To accommodate the additional length, the ship's superstructure was redesigned. Okay, yeah, you're going to want to get into the superstructure when you're lengthening a ship. Yep. It's like the the heightening surgery, where they they make your legs bigger. So they break the ship in half and then yes. let uh, gradually yep. let it grow more ship yep. between the the cleave. They make your legs bigger, but it looks bizarre because the rest of your body is no longer proportionate. Well, to that's your the legs. thing is they don't change the body superstructure. Exactly. That's what this. That's so. That was the lesson that the MS Estonia learned from that insane surgery. <laughs> She had a gross tonnage of 15,598 with four diesel propulsion engines, which gave her a cruising speed of approximately 17 knots and a top speed of 21.1 knots. She's recorded as having won the J.D. Power and Associates uh, Safety Award. Yeah, she was a powertrain uh, type of gal. <laughs> pa- what is power? Never mind. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I think it's an award it's, it's like for J.D. Power. It's a transmission thing, isn't uh, it? J.D. Power. Your powertrain? Powertrain. Yeah. 
One of the features that stayed from the Diana II to the MS Estonia was the visor construction of the ship's bow. Both ships, along with a number of ships constructed by the same company in the 1970s, included a large visor along the front bow that would open upward. The visor would reveal a car ramp that allowed vehicles to drive directly onto the ferry. One of the most exciting experiences is riding on a ferry. Yeah. Like, watching them open up the ramp and, like, seeing everybody come out or come in. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa, cool. The ramp would then be stored inside the visor when closed. Then the visor, along with protective doors, would be locked into place before the ship left port. The reason the visor and ramp were such an important feature is because the Estonia was redesigned with two decks devoted entirely to cargo, one specifically for cars. The ship could accommodate over 450 cars and buses at any given time. Cargo, indeed. Cargo over water. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The ship had 11 total decks and was capable of accommodating 2,000 people per trip. In addition to cabins and cargo, it had one swimming pool, a sauna. I mean, you know, of course, in this part of the world, come on, you have to have a sauna. Come on. A shopping center, a casino, and a video arcade. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, big. Big ship. It does like big overnight trips too, so. (laughs) Unfortunately, everything was made longer. Every article of clothing, every Every game, every craft table, everything was made longer. (laughs) Passenger decks were one, four, five, and six while decks 2 and 3 were reserved for cargo. Crew were housed on decks 7 and 8, while decks 9 and 10 were reserved for promenades as well as navigation and exhaust pipes, and deck 0 housed the engines. Massive. Yeah. I'm, really I'm picturing the, the the jumbo restaurant ship. Rest in peace. Oh, the... from Hong Kong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The ship also boasted a full... You're going to love this. A full conference center. Oh, okay. Yeah. Along with a restaurant and three different bars, companies could book time on the ferry for business conferences en route from one office to another. That is, that's like the dream for any like office, like a manager is like, you guys can work while you're going while somewhere you're traveling. else. That's, yeah. the, that's why they all like get so like dreamy over self-driving cars. It's like, I can collate I can files work. in the car while yeah. I'm going to on work. On the way to work. On the way to work. I can do unpaid work on the way to paid work. I can do my work that constitutes sending four emails in a day (laughs) on the way to work. (laughs) So this ferry, presumably loaded with businessmen, uh, would run a route between Finland, Norway, and Estonia, and was the largest ship on the route at the time. To put it into perspective, you could fit a commercial airliner inside the Estonia and still have room for a few more cars and buses. It's huge. That's pretty big. Yeah. And you could still smoke on planes then. Uh, in 94? No, absolutely oh. not. You could <laughs> I thought this was earlier. No. I mean, you can. You just have to be smart about well, it. Well, sorry. This is this is when it was built, so it's the 80s. But still, no. You could not smoke on what planes was in anymore. The, it was in the 70s. I, oh, okay. okay. Well, we're in the 80s. So. There were ships constructed in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can okay. still smoke in restaurants in the 80s and I mean, You could definitely smoke on the ferry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, not, not in the plane aboard the ferry. No, and maybe not in the restaurant ferry. No, they would have had a smoking section. Yeah, almost certainly, ferry. right? What an insane... They do a podcast about Whew. smoking sections. Just the weirdest <laughs> thing that's ever... In restaurants specifically. Indoor. Not yep. talking about bars. Not talking about like... Specifically, a smoking section of a restaurant. Yes. Is the craziest thing that we've because ever... Because that makes the whole restaurant a smoking section. Exactly. There's no such thing as a smoking section. It's just then a smoking <laughs> restaurant. 
Unless you have some sort of smoke blocking mesh. Wild. I guess a wall. We don't have to. We can't. We can't. Can't get into this. Look for it, our next. Well, yeah. We do have a new podcast coming up about smoking sections in restaurants. What's what's it called? Uh, I guess just the smoking section, right? Uh, yeah, that's that, the smoking section is good. It's not a bad name. Yeah. I get like clever with it. No. Like, no need. Like with ashtray. Mm. But go on. Okay. Continue. MS Estonia's career was not without incident. In fact, crazy incident. Uh, She was briefly grounded in 1984 for some propeller problems with her engine. In 1985, she underwent a rebuild to add about 10 feet of additional decking onto the stern, known as a ducktail. Woo! (laughs) Keep going. It's ducktails. Yeah, no, I got it. Hmm? But worse than unplanned rebuilds or repairs was the MS Estonia's reputation. Some ships get a bad reputation from, you know, constant maintenance issues, mm-hmm. uh, frequent sinking. Mm-hmm. That can be a problem. Sure. Uh, Estonia was different. Okay. Did Everything she, like, structurally seemed to be like sound. Was there like a ballast issue? Um, or like a sort of a water type, like bulkhead sort of breach? Yes, but not in the ship, but in the psyche of man. <laughs> because... In the late 80s, she was the site of multiple murders and, oh. and attempted murders. Wow. Yeah. I feel like the 80s is the time to commit oh, a murder. Wild West. Right? I mean, not the Wild West. No, it was the but, it was, but it was just before DNA really, like, you can still get away with it. ruined all the fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, of, of doing awful crimes. Yeah. Like, it was still not fun. easy to get away it. with killing someone. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they deserved it. <laughs> well, yeah, and only then. So on July 10th, 1986, Rejo Hammer and one of his associates <laughs> followed Anti El Jala to his cabin. Okay. Once inside the cabin, Hammer stole money from El Jala's wallet. El Jala was aware of the theft and planned to report the issue to the authorities. Okay. However, before he could do so, Hammer stabbed him in the throat multiple times with a dinner knife. Mm. Yeah. Mm. El Jala survived the initial stabbing, but Hammer finished the job by strangling him to death using the bedsheets in the cabin. Okay, what happened to the knife? Uh, we don't know. I mean, someone knows. I know, but... Not us. I'm just wondering why he had, had to change it up. I guess he got bored. I don't know. Okay. He wanted to switch it up. All right. Ray Joe Hammer was found guilty of the murder and sentenced to life in prison. However, he escaped two years later with two accomplices and a sawed-off shotgun. Okay. So okay. he was with two accounts. The Asadov shotgun was also escaping. <laughs> sure. All right. They went on to rob multiple banks until Hammer decided he no longer wanted to split the spoils of their crimes. This is something you and I deal with. Yeah, we have to spit, split the spoils. Our spoils. Uh, frequently. And, and we're constantly considering going solo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. He murdered his accomplices with oh. an axe and oh. was nicknamed the most dangerous criminal in Finland. Folks, uh, watch this space for a future axe murder between one of us and the other. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, the spoils are not quite enough that splitting them is that different from getting the whole It's really not spoil. worth it. It's just yeah. not worth it. But I will be killing Patrick still. We'll see. And he will be killing me. We'll see. Despite all of this, and despite being recaptured and serving 16 more years in prison, he was pardoned by the president of Finland in 2004, until he was found guilty of attempted manslaughter again seven years later. <laughs> this guy can't stop killing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of things we can say. There's a lot of positive things about the Scandinavian uh, kind of justice system, mm. right? Mm. Eh, that's maybe not one of them. Mm-mm. Maybe don't pardon this guy. 
I mean, he made his own bed. He he got himself caught again. Yeah. So. Also, I don't know anything about the skin. I don't know anything. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? It might be awful. Who knows? It, it might could be, be terrible. terrible. Yeah. Could, I know their prisons be, are nice. Be riddled with Still prison. I mean, yeah. But, uh, you know, they have The only problem PS2. is every room is an active sauna. <laughs> yes, exactly. At all times. <laughs> they sweat you out. So, totally unrelated to this 1986 murder, another passenger was also murdered. Cool. In 1987 on the Estonia. July 28th, 1987. Why July? Why July? It's Wasn't hot. the last one in July? It no, was. both murders in July. Yeah, it was like one year apart. It's because it's hot. It's the heat. It's yeah. the heat. It's the heat. It's that is Swedish that, heat. Is that? Or Estonian heat. <laughs> That's what they call you. Yeah, Swedish heat. Swedish heat, yeah. <laughs> uh, Estonian <laughs> heat. On July 28th, 1987, Klaus Schelkel and his girlfriend Bettina Taxis were riding the ferry as part of a trip from West Germany to Stockholm during a break from school. Because they did not have enough money to reserve cabins, they planned to sleep outside on one of the upper decks. Oh, it's like Ryan going to Vegas. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Rides the top of the megabus. <laughs> they had chosen a spot that had poor lighting and was also not readily visible to the CCTV cameras available at the time. At about 3.45 that morning, a group of Boy Scouts found the two travelers. Oh, God. What? Oh, what? Yeah. Mickey we'll, Mouse hell we'll is get, Don't worry. We'll, we'll get back to this. Okay. Both Shelkel and Taxis were badly beaten with multiple head wounds and airlifted to a hospital from the ship. Taxis survived, but Shelkel was pronounced dead on arrival. Uh, okay. Yeah. So remember this, the Boy Scouts found them. Yeah, well, I mean, but probably through ingenuity and preparedness and probably some amount of not tying. Or lashing even, yeah. like if you need to lash a couple sticks together. Just hang on a second. Before you give too much praise to, the scout, to our scouts. Yeah, well, I mean... They could be Swedish scouts. Mm, I mean, definitely. <laughs> they're definitely not American Boy Scouts. No, I don't think so. Uh, due to the sheer number of passengers aboard, authorities could not interview everyone and began ruling out families and the elderly, believing that they were unlikely suspects. Well, yeah. You've never met my family. Uh-huh. They probably couldn't kill. No, they don't have the heart. <laughs> I don't think. They don't have the heart for it. <laughs> the case remained unsolved for over 30 years, until 2019, when one of the former Boy Scouts confessed to the crime, but then recanted. Wh- what? <laughs> yeah. Because there was no lawyer present, the testimony was considered inadmissible, and the case is still in appeals to this day. Okay. Well, so, so here's that, that kind of sounds system. Like, yeah. Kind of sounds like this Boy Scout group came across two people and just beat them beat to death. <laughs> beat the which shit is out of them. Scary, the scary. One of the scariest things I can imagine. Oh, my God. What? I will not be watching Moonrise Kingdom again. No. If they're anything like the American Boy Scouts, you, got, you get some weird kids in there. A lot of kids whose parents just need them to learn how to socialize yeah, or uh, make friends, yeah. that kind of a thing. Yeah, but what if you can light fires and uh, get poison ivy? <laughs> a win-win. <laughs> for most passengers, two murders and one attempted murder is just too, too many for a boat to be considered safe. The ship's bookings declined and her parent company faced substantial financial hardship. Yeah, they're quoted as saying, oh, oh. Two, two murders. Oh, two people oh, got, oh, oh you don't want to. Oh, boohoo. Where else you don't are you going to go to Estonia anymore? Business above an airliner. Assuming you also have to go from Finland to Estonia. <laughs> the ship was shifted through a handful of companies and a handful of different routes before finally being sold to Nordstrom and Thulin for their Estonia Norway line under the name MS Estonia. You know, we've been saying a lot of it is like Swedish heat, but uh, it was almost entirely Finland. And Estonia. Yeah, and Norway. Sweden yeah, and Norway was basically not involved. However, that's about to change. Yeah, they will be, but I'm just saying, like, I want to recognize that we've 
Oh, yeah, no. So far, the Swedes have had nothing to do with it. The Swedes have had nothing to do with it. Call it foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So Estonia, the country, not the ship, it is a country as well, uh, was newly free of the USSR at this time. While Estonia had been a recognized nation and country for hundreds of years before the Soviets, breaking away from the Soviet Union was a chance for them to establish themselves again. Mm. Purchasing one of these giant cruise ferries would hopefully direct tourism and commerce to Estonia from the surrounding countries. That was kind of the plan anyway. Okay. On September 27th, 1994, after only a few short years as the pride of Estonia, the MS Estonia was crossing the Baltic Sea from Estonia to Stockholm, Sweden. That's three Estonias. What? Nothing. She departed the port in Tallinn slightly later than expected, that great dwarven city. They set out about 7.15 p.m. and was expected to arrive in Stockholm the next morning at about 9 a.m. So almost a 12-hour trip. Okay. Could get a lot of business done. Yeah. Oh, wait. That's more than a 12-hour trip. Okay. What am I doing? What am I doing? That's like a 14-hour trip. Yeah. I'm not Al- almost 14 hours. Almost 14 hours. Not quite. 13 and three yeah. quarters. Yeah. I guess that's still almost 12. It's not that far over 12 either, right? Well, I don't think almost is the word you would use. Maybe nearly. Not, a, not for a normal person. Just over. Yeah. They were carrying 989 people on board. Okay. 803 passengers and 186 crew members. This was a little under half of their total available capacity. Wow. Yeah, rare. According to records from the trip, most of the passengers were Swedish and returning to Stockholm, while most of the crew was Estonian. That language barrier between the two groups would become a crucial factor as the tragedy unfolded later that night. Hmm. In the hurry to leave and make up time, the crew had quickly loaded all the cars onto the cargo decks, but had not secured them properly. In addition to issues with the cargo being secured, it was not dispersed very well throughout the hold. Mm. Both pretty crucial things. Yeah, I would say so. Before the ship even left port, it was already listing slightly to starboard because of the distribution of the cargo on decks two and three. Guys, yeah, secure your cargo. Check this. Despite storm warnings ahead of the trip, the ship left port and quickly reached its cruising speed of 17 knots despite winds of 34 to 45 miles per hour and waves of 13 to 20 feet. That sounds bad, but according to satellite data from that time, uh, these wind and wave speeds were not even the worst. The storm, they're kind of, it's sort of normal weather for that area, that season, that area. So if you're like an experienced... uh, Captain or crewman or whatever, you probably had dealt with this a thousand times already. Oh, okay. Yeah. However, with okay. the ship already listing and traveling at higher speeds in order to make up time, the weather became pretty dangerous. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. About five hours into the trip, around midnight, many passengers had retired to their cabins. The waters were choppy and many people were becoming seasick. Unfortunately, for many, like in basically all ferry accidents... Staying in their cabins would prove to be a fatal mistake. God, stay in your cabin, die in a in a uh, sinking accident. I, I, stay outside I, of a cabin, get battered by Boy Scouts. He's really damned yeah. if you do, damned if you don't situation. And I mean, we're going to see here, not being in a cabin, your chances were not that much better. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, a little bit, but... A lot of Boy Scouts on this particular trip? No data on that. We, well, we will get into children. <laughs> oh, no. At one point. Kind of. Yeah. Hey, everyone. We just want to take a brief moment to remind you that RTX 2023 is happening this July 7th through July 9th. 
RTX is our favorite time of year where we get to interact with all of the amazing people that give us the opportunity to make content. It's a celebration of all things Rooster Teeth with panels, special guests, community artists, cosplay, and more. There will be exclusive reveals, meet and greets with Rooster Teeth talent, and special merch available only during the event. We're changing up how the convention feels this year, and it's going to be awesome. Imagine a mini Epcot-style convention show floor with different attractions and activations from your favorite Rooster Teeth brands, all wrapped up in a summer camp theme. It's the summer camp for indoor kids, with Face Jam's Rat and Grackle Pub, a Red Web escape room, a F***-faced museum, Achievement Hunter mini-golf, and even more cool stuff to do that we're saving for attendees to experience. So thanks for listening to me get very excited about RTX. We're looking forward to meeting all of you there. Head on over to www.rtxaustin.com to get more information about the event and buy your badge. On the upper decks in the bars and restaurants, passengers had started to hear banging and metallic crashes. Most assumed it was due to the choppy seas. Around 1 a.m., a large metallic bang was heard. The ship swayed drastically, but then seemed to right itself. The crew performed a limited inspection and checked indicator lights for the cargo holds, but they showed no issues. Roughly 10 minutes later, an even louder bang rang out from the cargo holds. It's believed that this was the sound of the visor and loading ramp detaching. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Allowing water to flow freely into the cargo holds. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah. That's so scary. Is there a quicker way to sink a ship? I can't think of one. Than just opening up the entire... Front of the ship. Holy God. Uh, Needless to say, the ship listed sharply to starboard. Mm. Upstairs in the bars and dining areas, chairs and tables slid and crashed across the room. In one of the bars, the built-in bar counter detached and crashed across the dining room, killing passengers and the bartender almost instantly. Almost instantly. I don't... Love the implication. Yeah, yeah. A handful of passengers on the upper decks reached the double doors to the promenade deck, where lifeboats were waiting. They formed a human chain to help each other across open doorways to the lifeboat area, but their fight was long from over. They're literally, it's listing so much, they have to form a human chain for people to climb up them to get to the lifeboats. Okay. Down below, in the lower cabin decks, the scene was even more dire. For those on the first economy deck, below the now-flooded second and third cargo decks, escape was almost impossible. There's basically nothing you can do. It was below? Yeah. Oh. There was a a passenger deck below the two cargo decks. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so scary. Yeah. Some lower deck passengers felt the crashes earlier than other passengers and made their way to an emergency stairwell that allowed them to climb above decks two and three before they completely flooded. Those who did not reach the stairwell in time drowned in the corridors and stairwell. After the wreck, the rescue divers noted that this stairwell was so full of bodies it would be impossible to identify or count them. Jesus God. Yeah. Okay. For those above the cargo decks, escape was just as perilous. At about 1.20 in the morning, five minutes after the larger crash, an alert message sounded through the ship's PA system. However... The message was given in Estonian and was too faint to hear in all cabins. Some passengers did not understand the warning or could not hear it clearly and therefore disregarded the message until it was too late. Worse still, the ship attempted to contact other ships for help, but they did not follow Mayday formats. 
a nearby ship, Silesia Europa, was only able to respond after radioing back and inquiring about the ship's status. This delayed all rescue attempts. The ship's list became more severe. The Estonia had rolled to 60 degrees by 1.50 a.m. This meant that the hallways connecting the cabins to other portions of the boat were now almost horizontal. The ship's hallways were only 3 feet 9 inches wide. When walking upright, this would not be an issue because the ceiling was wider. (laughs) Oh, uh... But as the ship rolled and one side filled with water, passengers found themselves having to crouch and crawl along the walls through the hallway. No. It was a nightmare. This is horrifying. As cabin doors fell open below them, they would have to climb or jump over open doorways. If they fell, they would be trapped and drown in the flooded cabin below. Hmm. Yep. Even worse, as they made their way to the stairwells to the higher decks, they realized that the angle of the ship would mean that they would have to climb the steps and arm rails vertically, since the stairs were now tipped side to side. I'm really glad we got in our yucks early on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Most passengers just didn't have the upper body strength to do this. Some passengers separated from their group to make the climb in hopes of finding help. Others chose to stay below and just accept their fate. Hmm. Regardless... After scaling the stairwell to make it to deck seven and eight, where the lifeboats could launch, the passengers faced another challenge. The only way up onto the promenade decks was through an open corridor, now facing up at an almost 90 degree angle. Passengers would have to hang on the doorframe and pull their entire body weight up onto the promenade deck, where they would then have to scale the railing to reach the lifeboat area. If they slipped or could not pull themselves up, they faced a multi-story fall down into the now-flooded ship and almost certain death. And then, even after all this, even if they were able to do all that, they faced new challenges. Because of the angle of the boat, the life raft—because of the angle of the boat, the life rafts could not launch successfully. The boat is on its side. Mm-hmm. Many flipped over; some deflated. The likelihood of successfully leaving the ship in a functioning life raft was very slim. Now, the ship did have enough life vests for everyone. That's good. Yeah, most were inaccessible and underwater. That's bad. Yep, gets worse. Okay. As passengers completed the climb to the deck, they found themselves in hand-to-hand combat with other passengers for the remaining life vests. It's it's unfortunate that such a cool phrase is used in such an awful setting. I mean, yeah, hand-to-hand combat. I hear hand-to-hand combat, and my my lizard brain is like, oh. Oh. You know, people are literally fighting each other to get a life vest. No, dude. Some people were thrown overboard into the water, which registered 50 degrees Fahrenheit. What's that in Celsius? Uh, It's about 14. You don't know that. Hang on a second. It's 10. 10 degrees Celsius. That's close to 14. Uh, It's actually, yeah, you you weren't terribly far off. I mean, I I have to know kind of now. Don't roll your eyes. I have to do the conversions. Do you Wait. know negative 40 are the same in both? Wow. <laughs> no way. That's interesting, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Don't don't patronize. No, that's me. interesting. Don't patronize. That's really interesting. I did both pronunciations. I just patronize. That's called Patrick getting, and, when I do it, it's called patronizing. Yeah. yeah, that's funny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. With a life vest on, most people could maybe expect to survive in 50 degree water for like 15 minutes. Okay. You know, I don't know. Without a life vest... Maybe nine minutes. I'm not really sure where these numbers are coming from, you know? Yeah. 
you I get mean, a, it's very cold for water. I mean, it can be it can be worse, but uh, you know, if it's fifty degrees outside, you put a light jacket on, you're good. Yeah, if you're in water, it's a little different story. I mean, it's, it's a it's a wildly because like even in the sixties is like normal swimmable. Kind of. That's still pretty cold. It's pretty cold, yeah. but like it's not completely unreasonable. Yeah. But yeah, many people began to dive off of the decks and into the waves. Some were killed instantly upon impact. Even though the ship was listing drastically, it was still three to four stories above the water. Hey. This is a huge ferry. Others walked along the opposite side of the ship, now exposed out of the water and jumped in from lower points. While they probably survived the jump, if they did not find life rafts or other debris to float on, the water would kill them within minutes. Some survivor accounts describe floating on rubber mats from the deck or broken pieces of furniture. Still others climbed on top of groups of lifeless passengers in life vests to stay above the water. As the ship turned... Yeah, yeah I'm mean, just choosing not to yeah. register that. Okay. As the ship turned and began sinking stern first with a list of 90 degrees... The few passengers left on board either jumped or fell to their deaths within the interior of the ship. Ooh, this one's this one's one of the worst in a while. I know. Inside, as the bridge filled with water, the third mate attempted to relay their position for rescue efforts, but the power went out, meaning they could not easily radio their position. A crew member had to climb down to the starboard side of the bridge to reach the marine GPS, which allowed their location to display even in blackouts. It's believed that this crew member was third mate Andre Tamis. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but okay. Tamis, Tam, yeah. One last radio message was received by two nearby ships, Silica Europa and Mariella, before the ship disappeared from radar entirely and the radio went dead. It's it must be unsettling to see a ship disappear from radar. Yeah. Because that's not like an electrical thing. That no. is an object that doesn't exist on that yeah. plane anymore. Yes. It's believed that Andres Tamis climbed down to the marine GPS as the starboard side of the bridge flooded and died sending the final mayday. Mariella reached the scene of the wreck, followed by five other ferries. They were able to relay positions and send more mayday messages. They dropped their life rafts and were able to save 13 people from the MS Estonia. Oh. Of the original 989 on board, only 137 survived the wreck. The ferries responding to the wreck rescued 34 people with their lifeboats while helicopters airlifted 104 people from the scene, one of them succumbed to their injuries upon reaching the hospital. Of the 852 people who died in the wreck, only 94 bodies were recovered. The search and rescue teams confirmed that only a third of the passengers had successfully escaped the ship, but even of those that did, less than half of them survived long enough to be rescued. Due to the body strength required to traverse the ship to escape, very few elderly passengers survived, and no children survived. None, huh? No one under 12, yeah. And I think like three people over 55 or something survived. It was literally like it was an obstacle course to get out. Yeah. That's a... Uh, hmm. The wreck was investigated using divers and underwater recording vehicles. They found that the locks on the visor of the door had failed from the strain of the harsh waves. This caused the visor and the ramp to dislodge, filling two decks with water, worsening the existing list. Additionally, because cargo was not secured well, when the water rushed in, it pushed dozens of cars to one side. This put the ship even further off balance. Yeah, that's gonna... that's gonna redistribute weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
The reports also investigated the crew's actions and if they had taken the correct steps to investigate and help evacuate the passengers. Since nearly the entire crew perished in the wreck attempting to save passengers, there were no charges or hearings. There was no one to charge. Yeah, you just kind of go. They all died. Despite questions around the crew and their actions, the main source of the wreck was determined to be the open visor. I mean, yeah. All ships with similar construction, including the Diana 2, were now required to include sensors on the locking mechanisms of their visors and ramps. Yeah, seems good. New training requirements were also implemented for crew on all passenger ships, including training on new distress beacon technology. Previously, these beacons would need to be activated manually. EPIRBs, do you think they say EPIRBs? I think that's what they're called? EPIRBs. EPIRBs? Yeah. Uh, or distress beacons, are now activated automatically when instruments register certain conditions. Due to the failure of the life rafts, regulations were also implemented so that they could be easier to deploy even if a ship is listing drastically. That's a problem we've covered like 20 I, times. I think in the last three yeah. or four consecutive episodes, we've yeah. covered that. The list just basically stops... It makes an entire side of the boat's lifeboats useless. Yeah, and oftentimes the ones that can be launched have to be dropped into the water before. Yeah, because they're hanging 30 feet away from yeah, the Yeah, you can't just get into it and then lower the lifeboats. Yeah. In 2020, a documentary crew investigated the wreck and claimed to have found a 4-meter by 4-meter hole in the hull. They believe this points to a potential collision that could have caused the sinking. However, many of the investigators from the original inquiry believe that this hole occurred from when the ship sank and hit a rock on the ocean floor. Basically, they believe that uh, it either hit a submarine or the documentary crew. There's some conspiracy theories around this one. They think it either hit a submarine or that it was transporting like military uh -huh. stuff and okay. it exploded. A submarine? And, yeah. They loved... Okay. Well, there's two. That, those are two separate. There's the submarine thing, and, and then the there's military, one that like, it was loaded with, like, military technology okay, and ammo. I don't know, I guess. Oh, God. The, these... We've talked about this before, the, like, the urge to, like, more complicate what is uh, a tragically simple uh, yeah. event yeah. that a mechanism failed. And people can't, yeah. people can't accept a mechanical failure. There has to be right. some sort of, like, nefarious... Someone that you can say, that's why this happened. Yeah, exactly. But it was really just a thing that hadn't happened yet <laughs> to happened. a ship. It happened, yeah. yeah. Regardless, the Estonian prime minister, along with the Swedish and Finnish prime ministers, opened a new case. This case explored multiple theories, including a submarine colliding with the ship. Right. And as we said, yeah, there were a bunch of conspiracies about secret explosions, transportation of military equipment, etc. Ultimately, a report was published saying that the hole was too small to have contributed to the sinking of the ship. At least, I think, like... It could not have possibly sunk that fast with the no, hole that yeah. size. But instead, the documentary crew was prosecuted for disturbing the wreck. As of September of 2022, they were found guilty and fined. Damn. Over the last two years, Estonia, Finland, and Sweden have worked together to survey the wreck with 3D scanners and other remote underwater equipment. They concluded that the ship was not seaworthy when it departed for its final voyage, and regulation inspections would have discovered the flaw in the visor. Additionally, there should have been notes regarding updates to the visor that were just never recorded. Had inspections been performed as required, they believe the wreck would not have occurred. Families of the deceased passengers have requested to retrieve their bodies, but because of the ship's size and the scale of the wreck, the bodies remain trapped within the ship. In Stockholm, Sweden, and Tallinn, Estonia, 
Memorials to those who were lost were created in lieu of burying the 852 passengers forever lost at sea. The wreck site is protected by a treaty prohibiting diving and is routinely guarded by the Swedish and Finnish Navy. Oof. So that is the MS Estonia. Yeah. That is a, that one's a doozy. You know, every once in a while you, you get, uh, when it's one of the more recent ones, you get uh, a, a really just unflinching look <laughs> at what yeah. happened, and it is upsetting. This is one, too, where it's like, unfortunately, there's enough time that insane stories happen aboard the ship. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, some of them, it's just so fast that, like, you get, like, you hear a couple things, but like the fact that they were doing this ninja warrior obstacle course in order to just get to the deck, yeah, is insane. It, it, it's, ooh, that's upsetting. Yeah, I didn't like this one. <laughs> I gotta say, didn't love it. Um, I guess let's let's do an honorable mention. Foghorn, though, you know. Uh, ooh, hmm. Good. He has range, folks. <laughs> Speaking of doomed ships and Sweden, let's return to a fan and host favorite, the Vasa, the warship Vasa. That's right. You may remember the Vasa. Uh, We've covered it, and I think we've also done another honorable mention on it. It was the poorly designed and very top-heavy 17th century warship that toppled over a mere 1,400 yards into her maiden voyage in plain view of horrified onlookers. Uh She had... Guns and biblically inspired uh, ornate carvings all yep. over the top decks of the ship, and very little ballast. Yep. Uh, she did not pass a simple test of thirty men running back and forth. Yep. <laughs> but they sent her out anyway. So yeah, you know all that. But did you know that a woman girl bossed what? her way aboard? Oh, that's probably why it sank then. Okay, that's it's bad luck. For it. It's bad luck. Everyone knows that. Not everyone knows that. It's very common knowledge. People don't know that because it's not a thing to know. It's not true. It is true. I've been on boats. Okay, explain the sinking of the Vasa. Well, this is the folly of a king. <laughs> well, that's what we thought until now. <laughs> Bad luck bringing a seabird. <laughs> now, uh, a, a scientist did not know until now. Uh, what they did know is that around 30 people died that day. Mm-hmm. Until now, however, it was assumed only members of the Swedish Navy were aboard. And this was like the flagship. This was like the biggest innovation in uh, like warship construction yeah, yeah. In, in, in a long time. Not a good innovation. No. There was a, I mean, as we talked about it, there was huge issues going into the construction. People didn't know what they were doing. A yeah. lot of miscommunication, misalignment. Anyway, uh, on account of a misidentified hip bone, it would okay. seem one passenger known only as G. Sweden, so probably like Greta. I right? don't, I don't know. I think it was just G because they thought it yeah. was a fella for a while. Right, uh, it was in fact a woman. Okay, so great stuff. And I wrote uh, breaking the Voss ceiling, and I, I don't Voss, yeah, yeah. I don't like yeah. that I did that, uh-huh. but I have to stay true to myself. Okay. Uh, in all likelihood, this was a seaman's wife. Yeah, as they apparently allowed guests on the maiden voyage. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can be like, you bring your honey along yeah. and she can experience this grand new ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, seems weird to me. Um, there would have been, it would have been a heftier You're casualty. You're not a seaman's wife, so. A seaman's, <laughs> not a seaman's wife, no. Um, but you would think if any woman could be brought aboard a 17th century ship, it would be a seaman's wife. Of course. Yes. Yeah, or a stowaway. 
Or stole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also bad, probably. He's disguised. Uh, anyway, yeah, offering answers since she was raised in 1961, the supremely well-preserved Vasa continues to shine light on an event that took place nearly four centuries ago, and that's just cool. That is that's an amazing, uh, you know. Uh, it's cool that a, they're still f- discovering things. Yeah, about it. I mean, it was it was through uh, testing the the DNA and the remains, and it came mm-hmm. down to chromosomes. Anyway, though, huge respects to G, and also uh, sorry for what happened we're to sorry you. For yeah, what to you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. I mean, we didn't do it. We it's didn't do fault, it. Yeah, but, yeah. but we're sorry that it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, for sure. But yeah, much love to the seaman's wife, G. Yeah, the G men. <laughs> sure. I don't. I don't know. 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 That's the show. Uh, it was written by Paige Wesley. It was edited by Kelly Reynolds. And the art was by Stevie Jude. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, may your bones bleach uh, in these sands. Yeah, may your bones uh, be properly identified upon being raised from the depths. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.